Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Main Idea Podcast, where today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Dayan Kike. A quick reminder for those of you that enjoy this podcast, please take 30 seconds and leave a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, and subscribe to the YouTube. It's super easy to do, and it helps this show get discovered and will help me continue to bring on amazing guests. There are also now timestamps in the show notes, so feel free to jump around to the part that interests you most, although I always recommend listening to the episode in its entirety. Dayan Kike is a jiu-jitsu black belt, mixed martial artist, co-owner of Universal Mixed Martial Arts in Vancouver, British Columbia, and former BFL pro middleweight champion. From war-torn Bosnia to the mats of his own gym, Dayan is a living example of how to live a life where you respect, above all else, yourself. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Without further ado, Dayan Kite. Awesome. Well, Dayan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here. It's always a pleasure to chat with people up in Canada. That's where my mom lives. So Vancouver represent. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no worries, but thanks for having me. I appreciate you reaching out. Yeah, so we're going to just uh, blast from the past here real quick and Let's go back to the year 1989. I'm being born, okay? All right. You're okay. six years old. Yes, uh, communist regime crumbles. Yeah. Take me back to Bosnia. What is it like? What, what kind of memories stick out in your, your minds? I always think it's interesting to go back to the very beginning with fighters because so many things in the mind are formative, right, from um, when we're really little kids. What was yeah. it like being there? Well, the, the, when you're there at the time, it's a normality. You know what I mean? So you don't really see any any difference until you move out and then you start reflecting back and then you start really seeing um, how bad it really is. But, I mean, you know, as, as, as kids, it was rough. We had the funny part is we had no toys, right? We had nothing. So what yeah. we collected as kids was bullets. And then, and then if there's ever artillery and... And, and bombs will be falling and they're shooting the airplanes down. And then as kids, you will, two days later, you try to get those big shells and you trade it in for smaller bullets. And then, then AK-47s, they had the ones they shoot at night, like r yellow color, red color. Yeah. So if you see soldiers, you're like, hey, hey, come on, give me, give me, the, give me the colored ones because they're worth more and stuff like that. So that's what kind of we, we played as kids. And then you had your box that you carried your bullets and you walked around the neighborhood proudly, you know, that was your toys. What are you like? So when, okay, when that's happening, when you're, you're collecting bullet shell casings to yeah. trade on the, on the playground, so to speak, right. With other kids, are you, are you registering that? Like what, ah, do you even see it that uh, way at that time? I wouldn't see it that way. Cause that was the fun time, right. You right. know, when, 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 when you're in bomb shelter for like, 12 hours to 14 hours when the grenades are falling and, you know, and your parents are hugging and the whole building is shaking and stuff. But those are the scary moments. Right. And then, and then after that, I don't know, it just becomes the norm. You, you go outside and you get, there's a couple of days of peace. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you, you just, while it's only light and you go outside and you play with the kids, but don't go too far off. There's still snipers. There's still, you know, people and it's lawless, right? People walk around with guns and AK-47s. Everybody has it. Right. So, that lawlessness has always, I, I mean, I have, you know, I didn't serve in a war. I've never, I've, I've been to war-torn countries, but I've never been around it when it's actually happening. It's always surprised me that how that becomes just the way it is. And you walk out and that's just, that's life that day. And, and for so many people around the world and over history, 
that's the case. It's much more that that has been the case for people yeah. than growing up in Vancouver or growing up in California where, you yeah. know, it's, I'm complaining about people not using their turn signal or something stupid like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, you know what it comes down to when the norm comes in, right? We're not happy. We're not sad. Life is just heavier. Yeah. You, know what I, you know what I mean by that? It's like when, 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 when that's normal, it's like that's the normality and you find happiness and sadness in, in every level of, of poverty, right? It's just the more poverty and harsher it is, life is just heavier. You feel like you just carry on a lot more weight. And, and for some people, it slows them down and it, some people makes them stronger, right? And, and that's life. How you carry that weight throughout life dictates how you get out of there. What is the family unit like in those times? How does that um, that feeling of family change or function? Because in essence, that's all you have, right? Everything's yeah, blowing up around you. Um, it's it's uh, our our dad was a lot in war, like he was in the front line, so he'd get three, four, five days in the front lines. He would come back, and then we had no food, and then he would get two cans of fish per shift. So he would eat one, and he would bring the other one home. And then before the war, my dad was like over like. 200 plus pounds after the war, it was like 145, 150, Jeez. right? And then our mom took care of us a lot, right? Um, and then every time my dad would come in, he, you know, he, my mom would know how to use a gun in case, you know, somebody comes in late at night, does some harm. Um, and she was a strong one, you know, late at night when bombings were happening and stuff, our mom was the one that took care of us and our dad was out there in the front lines. And every couple of days, a list of dead soldiers would would arrive and and then we would go there and and stuff like that. I remember once um, there was like a big like a big part of sorry my battery just went no you're good there we go um, yeah like like bunch of people got killed and we thought our dad made the list and we went out there and then I accidentally walked into the room and there was like 37 massacred people and I walked in and the six year old I still remember that vision and stuff and that stuck out for me and stuff but luckily he wasn't one of them and. Yeah, it's just, that's life. Yeah. But I want a life lottery, man. I tell everybody, there's 4 million people in Vancouver, 8 billion in the world. If you do the odds, that's a life lottery. How did right? you end up in, in Vancouver? How, what was the <sighs> Nothing. We just, we applied in every single country known to Germany, Switzerland, yeah. Australia, Canada, um, America, everywhere. And Canada was the first one to... To answer, <laughs> so yeah, because if I, I my history is shaky in this area. But yeah. if I'm thinking back, so when the when the when communism fell, it actually created a worse problem, right? And yeah. you then had civil war. Yeah. Well, what happened was, um, you know, it's not that I'm a history buff or anything, but I was, I'm born in Bosnia, right? Mm -hmm. Bosnia is like a it was a province of former Yugoslavia, which is like a melting pot. Right. You, had, you had you had Muslims, you had Croatians, and you had Serbians, right? And then, and then when the when you know our, the fall of communism, Yugoslavia, every country wants to become its own. Every province wants to become its own country. Croatia, ninety-five percent Croatians, they voted, they were gone. Slovenia, ninety-five percent Slovenians, they voted, they were gone. And now Bosnia came in. Bosnia wanted to become its own nation. It was about forty percent Muslims, um, and then thirty percent Croatians. They're like, no, we want to go with Croatia. And in Serbia, it's like, fuck that, you're coming with us. So everybody right. wanted the peace of it, yeah. right? But nobody had the majority. And then right. that's where the conflict happened. And so that's around the time that your family got uh, accepted into Canada, yeah, on visa? Yeah, afterwards, afterwards. We were there from beginning to the end. We came to Canada in 97. 
When was your introduction into martial arts? Was that, did that predate coming to North America? Uh, it, was in, it was in Canada. Yeah. I was just a troubled, angry kid. Uh, yeah, just angry at the world. At the world. And, 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 I, and I walked into one of the boxing gyms in the poor side of town and it scared the shit out of me. That was the scariest thing I've ever experienced. And I was like, these are like real mentally strong people that I was, and it just blew me away. And after that, everything just felt hollow. Wow. I couldn't look back. So yeah. that feeling of uh, like those feelings of being angry at the world, were those rooted in anything that you've been able to identify? Well, it, it's, you know, you always see, I, it's Eastern Europe. We're always angry. Right? I always <laughs> laugh around. That's the, that's the normality. We're just, we're just like, we carry a certain amount of bitterness and anger, but we, we, it's, it's how you, it, it, it's, it's how you motivate you, right? That's like, yeah. I, I like heaviness of life. I, I, I like misery of life. That's why fighting is, is it, it, it just reflects with me. Like it's hard mentally, it's heavy, it's demanding. It takes a lot out of you, but eternal reward is nothing like it. To respect yourself through your own eyes is something special. When you walked into that boxing gym and you're, you're seeing these people for the first time, you're like, whoa, this is... This is different. These people are strong. They're, I got mental fortitude. I can kind of look up to this. Like these are, yeah. you know, people that I admire. What was your attitude uh, your first couple days in that gym? Like I, you know, from a lifetime of fighting and, and jujitsu and everything, and then I, I speak briefly on my experience of just being mm -hmm. in the academy when new people come in for the first time. You kind of get that range of, of ego. Yeah. You get a range of confidence of people that are in there very much for like self-defense reasons. Like, hey, I just want to learn. Yeah. I want to be respectful. And then you get people that are in there. They want to prove something. And you kind of know how all those different stories go. But yeah. what was your your mindset when you first were exposed to boxing and combat so sports? I, I, I was different. I grew up differently, so I think differently and approach things differently. And in, in our culture, it's just like it's like here when you got a little bit tougher, one thing you learn in life is know your place. Mm -hmm. Shut the fuck up and know your place sometimes. So I walk into the gym, and especially there when I'm scared, I, I know my place. You you're you're a rookie. You have to earn earn through 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 paying the price for it and stuff. So first thing I do is I look at it, I'm like, who who do I want to be in this sport? Mm -hmm. What's my what's my relationship with it? And when I do find what type of relationship I want with the sport, then I find out if, if I want to be a fighter, I look at the best guy, yeah. right? And I'm like, well, that's, if you want that, you got to know what he does. So, so, so I approach things very logically, very like lack of emotions. I approach them with like more intelligence like, as a problem solving and stuff like that. So when I walked into the gym, I just like, How, what do I want to do with this sport? Who I want to be? And those guys that did more than me, what did they do? Just follow those footsteps. And was uh, becoming a champion in your mind at that time? Of course it is. I mean, you know, every, every childhood, you know, wants to do that and stuff. Um, but yeah, for sure. It was that, I, I don't know how to do things for fun. I laugh sometimes. Either I go all in <laughs> or all out in some aspects. So, yeah. I mean, is there an option B for a fight? I always, I look at, uh, you know, whenever I watch fights and stuff like that, I always find it interesting when you have a fighter that, seems like maybe they don't want to be a champion because if you're not trying to be the champion, you've chosen the worst sport to compete. You know, like if your mindset 100%. is not, I am the baddest, I am the best, I'm willing to learn, I want to get better, and I, I want the top period, 
the down days are you getting punched in the face and kicked in the liver and kicked in the kick, yeah. you know, like it's not like, ah, you know, I'll ride the bench. I'll play hockey, yeah. uh, yeah, but I don't yeah, really yeah. need a Stanley cup. Like it's fine. I get one point. And it's like, even if you were like, you say Stanley cup, at least like the lowest guy is getting just under a million dollars. You're like, ah, it's my nine to five job. You know, right. I go train, I do this. I live a cushy life. I'll bag this out for seven, eight years, retire with a little pension and I'm good. Yeah. Right, I get that, but in MMA, it's, it's just the risk reward is it's yeah. it's terrible. So when you got into boxing, you did yeah. not yet have any pre-existing experience in Zero. wrestling or or jujitsu or anything like that. Zero. So walk me through this evolution of of you as a new athlete getting into it and getting. How did you get from boxing to mixed martial arts? What things did you pick up on the way? Kind of, and you can give me the long <sighs> version of that. <sighs> There's no. There's no, um, everything has its bullshit, right? Like as you go through life, you find out every, everything, everybody has its fucking bullshit and boxing has its bullshit. Jiu-jitsu has its bullshit and kickboxing has its bullshit, which means they all need each other to complete the whole picture, right? right? So as soon as I started learning boxing, I was like, you know what I mean? It was good. It was all that stuff. But I'm like, what happens if somebody kicks you? <laughs> you know and i was like okay well that's a fucking stupid answer you know so then, so then i'm like okay now you're bullshitting me and right. as soon as my bullshit meter comes in i gotta invest i gotta ask more questions right yeah. um and then i just started looking for that and i'm like okay and i started and i went to this one kickboxing gym and i was there for a month and somebody just i didn't know anything nothing immigrants nothing about kickboxing uh, muay thai thailand or nothing like that and then somebody just mentioned um uh what's it called thailand i'm like what is that they're like well it's where all these champions train i was like holy shit so i just went online i just two days later put phuket thailand and phuket came up first gym i put in was Suwith gym i emailed them they got back to me right away i was blown away i was like bought a ticket and went to thailand I love um it. and then i was like early like 1920 and then this, this was a while ago, and you know, I didn't know anybody that goes there. Mom was like, well, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm going to Thailand." And I was like, "What's Thailand?" Like, I don't know. Just this country <laughs> that has these champions. I don't know, mom. I don't know. I don't know, mom. It's kickboxing. It's Muay Thai. It's the best. That's what I heard. So I'm going there. And then I I left there, and my mom was like, "When you come back?" I'm like, "When I run out of money." I just went there and I fought for a while and stuff like that. And I ran out of money, came back home, and I was like, "What happened if you go to the ground?" Right. Just asked one time, and the guy, I don't know, but yeah, but you guys sweep each other. What happens then? Yeah. And then I was like, okay. And that was in the UFC, it was 2006, and you know, like like Chuck Liddell and yeah, yeah. Couture era was coming yeah. up and stuff like that. And and after that, it just I just caught the martial art bug. Yeah. Um, and I tell everybody, i you know, I think like a striker, operator like a striker, but I I'm a martial artist, right? And as soon as you start thinking like a striker, then you corner yourself. You you it's yeah. like everything. It's like it's like striking team. Then. You know, like they all have this bullshit. Some martial artists, I love it all. Wrestling, jujitsu, all of it, all of it. So when you go to Thailand, I mean, that's at a time before. Obviously, you mentioned Thailand to most people that are even remotely involved in martial arts. They know what you're talking about, right? Because there's there's so much fighting going on there. You got champions coming out of there yeah. that are household names everyone knows about. At that time, I mean, you hadn't even heard of Thailand. So what was the scene like there when you got it there? It was, I mean, it was touristy. Like I said, it was new to me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people were going there for like, you know, it, that was about 
you know, I'm 38 right now. That was about 18 years ago, right? Yeah. You know, like last 10 years because of Instagram, because of everything. Yeah. Um, everybody knows and hears about it. But back then, to me, it was just a dark horse. And I went there. There wasn't as many tourists. And I and the gym wasn't touristy gym. Because I said it's the first gym that came up. It was one of the oldest gym. And it was cool. I, I enjoyed every second of it. So if you think about uh, being in this boxing gym in Vancouver and being in this uh, Muay Thai gym in Phuket, what would you say are some of the biggest contrasts between the two in terms of like approach or mentality? Obviously, they're they each have their own structure, right? Because boxing yeah. is just standing up, then you have kicks yeah. and elbows and everything. But from a mindset, from the coaches, the athletes, the people yeah. you're around, the training style, yeah. what sticks out to you is something that's nothing. Different. Same shit. It's the same yeah. customers. Poverty. That's your customers. Poor people fight. Yeah. So, so the mindset is the same. You know what I mean? It's like. It's, it's the same thing, man. Honestly, it's just a poor man trying to get a fucking rich meal. So does That's, it, I, I, I hate to even say this name, but it's yeah. it's on point with what you're saying. So I, yeah. I will very briefly say it and then we'll move on. But so yeah. what about something like uh, you see like the Paul brothers, right? These guys are massive YouTube stars, millions of dollars, yeah. and they're getting into fighting. So maybe this mold is starting to break a little bit. And I'm sure that there will be other kids that just because they see them, they're like, oh, you know, I want to get into this too. Granted, not having the mindset is the X factor. Like, go yeah. get punched in the face one time and you realize you don't ever want to do that again. But do you feel like maybe fighting is starting to head in a direction where fighting will garner maybe people from outside of poverty situations? No. I mean, listen, like, like, for example, Jake and those guys, it's a fact. Whoever is first one on the block is the newest thing capitalized the most and the second one does the least. And by the time the third one comes in, nobody cares. Example, McGregor, right? There's a couple yeah. of guys that try to trash talk after him. Nobody cares. Shut up. He's the first one on the block, right? And and nothing can alter authenticity of sport is because I always tell everybody, it is the only sport I have to calm you down in. Why? Because I don't have to make you care about your own safety. There is real, fighting is real. I don't care what glamour, what bullshit, what you do. Either you're good or you're not. Good fights sell, bad fights don't. And like Paul, like Paul can promote as much as he wants. If he doesn't literally deliver two, three times, nobody's gonna watch you. Right. Right. So, right. so, so it has the because fighting is real. You don't play fight like other sports. You can't fake it as much. You know yeah. what I mean? And 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 the bullshit meter on everybody's so sensitive because we all know what a real fight is. You know what I mean? And we all know who real fighters are. So it's so it's the hardest sport to bullshit, and it's the hardest sport to kind of like like cheat your way to the top. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, that makes sense because of the, there's no way to skirt around what is actually going on. Yeah, right? like exactly. When they, when the door latches shut, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, whatever promotion, whatever stuff has done beforehand, it doesn't matter at that point because it it's a real deal. Yeah. And, 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 and then, you know, like if, if something comes up that it's something shady or, you know, like, fights are fixed and all that stuff that you, you can't sell it anymore. It's that's the, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, when you were in Thailand, did you do any sanctioned Muay Thai fights as well with promotions I did. over I there? Had, I did. I did. Um, how do I say <laughs> this to be polite? I don't, I, I don't call them. I I'm telling you, listen, I hit hard. I fucking hit hard. Right, but there's one fight. I touch the guy and he falls down like I shot him in the head. I'm not saying the fights are fixed. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying sometimes in Thailand, if you go there as a tourist 
and then you shit kick a couple of tuk-tuk drivers and they make you feel like they're real fighters and you go back home you're like, bro, go to this gym. What you, buddy, I was trained there for a month and oh, I'm shit kicking. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, I just, like, I'm telling you, like, I, I there's several fights and who they, you know, sometimes they set you up, you know what I mean? If they don't like you and sometimes, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy has no fights and up having 400 fights, right? But most of the time, man, it's, it, the, 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 the guys that I fought at least over there, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience and it's not like it was big money. I'm just saying those entry-level fights when you've been trained there for like a month or two and then they give you those guys, they're just there to take a couple kicks from you and then the first minute you kick my heart or they just fall down, they get their paycheck and they leave. No so way. That was, that was my experience. I, so I didn't, wait, so, yeah. it's, so you're saying it's almost like a propaganda machine. Like you go there, you train, they give you this guy, you you piece him up or so you feel, and then you go back to wherever you're from and you're like, yo, these guys are the best coaches because I was there. I, I started doing this yeah. kind of like that. Uh, it's not like a propaganda machine to that extreme, but th th that's how I felt. I yeah. felt that the, the, the guys that I fought were not legitimate. I, gotcha. I just, they were overweight. They just, I just, eh, like, I don't know. I just did, like I said, it just didn't feel right to me. Nothing felt like a real fight there. And like I say, I, I hit hard. I don't hit that hard. And I'm not, and back then I'm not that dangerous. You know what I'm trying to say? So it just kind of felt like a, let me, let, like a pleasing, please the, please the foreigners type of so fight. So weird. Right? Yeah. That was, that was my experience. Right. So, and, and, and I've seen so many on, 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 on Instagram, you'll see some like jacked foreigner and the, the you know, the Thai guy is fat and he just, ah, like flail yeah. like this, lands a punch and the guy goes down. I'm like, ah, like don't celebrate that win. It's, 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 it's a cheap currency. And I hate going through life with cheap currencies. What would you say is something that, that they're doing well in Thailand? Maybe that you're not going to find, uh, I don't know, in, in, let's say in, yeah, Vancouver or somewhere in the States, like, is there an uh, X numbers factor? game? Yeah, ah. yeah, man. They got that old school. At the end of the day, I feel fighting comes about intelligent numbers. And Thai guys fucking, they kick and they kick and they kick and they kick. And if you ask him, how can I get my kick better? Then go fucking kick some more. There yeah. is beauty in repetition. There's beauty in perfection. They work hard. Um, it's And it's a lifestyle. You know, good and bad. You know, right. There's those Thai guys that drink all the time. There's those Thai guys that fucking train all the time, right? And 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 it really is. It's like it's rooted who they are as an individual, and they really do have that fighting spirit and stuff. And it's part of the culture. And there's pride and dignity in that sport. As yeah. much as it's 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 betting and all that stuff, there is certain pride and dignity in it that I respect. When you got back to Vancouver, you went from Thailand back to Vancouver, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so you have you knew that there was this missing piece on the ground. <laughs> How did you start to solve that problem? Uh, I just went to the first closest jiu-jitsu gym. I just do. I just do. Yeah. I don't I don't like to because the minute you overthink, here's my philosophy I tell everybody to be successful in life, you have to be intelligently stupid. <laughs> Run down the hall screaming. Well, it's like if you're too smart, you overthink. If you're too dumb, you have no plan, right? You have to be intelligently stupid, which yeah. means the stupidity is that will just, just fucking pull the trigger once in a while, right? So if something is curious, I'm out of it. Just get your feet wet and figure it out. So I just went to the first gym. And after that, you kind of wait there a month or two and you see, is this a good gym, bad gym? And what's a good gym? Well, that's a good gym. Why? Is it numbers or is it the coaches? And then you start to find your own 
fit in the community. There's no perfection. You just different stages in your life. What What did you like about jujitsu that you hadn't found in other areas? Oh, so this shocked me. This shocked me is when you do jujitsu, wrestling, judo, all those fucking sports, they go in such fine details that they tell you where your pinky is. And then I go into a fucking striking pivot and turn, pivot and turn. Okay, pivot and turn. There's no fucking details. I was like, and then it just shocked me. It would, it would just shock me. Like, like literally, you go to a jiu-jitsu gym, collar here, here, turn your wrist over here, do it this way, put your head back. Like it, it's it's literally you're splitting hairs, and then the striking was have be balanced, weight forward on the right hand, weight back. Go figure it out. And then you're there like a meathead hitting the bag for like three years. And then all you're doing is you're hitting it hard to hope your coach sees you that you can hit hard. And then he gets your attention and then gives you one pointer. And then again, back to this. So it was very much, I I, I was shocked um, how different uh, teaching methods were and stuff. So then I started taking jiu-jitsu's approach to striking. I just started going through the rabbit hole. And I started kind of searching out better strikers and 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 things like that. And uh, and I just kind of because of jujitsu, I I I I got this great ability to self teach. Um, so that actually and, that actually resonated with you. You enjoyed that technical. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, give me purpose. Give me meaning. Yes. Give me some substance behind shit, right? Yeah. And I just felt sometimes like uh, striking. It's it it it's it, it surface. Just and then it just it just throw and then you get an instant reward system because you're hitting something so you think you're doing well as in jujitsu and otherwise you can't cheat the skills because there is no reward system until you do it properly. So yeah. the reward system is harder earned on one side and easier earned on the other side because immediately we can spar and you get hit you think you're tough. You know what I mean? so yeah, it's like. Yeah. It, it's the, the 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 approach to learning processes is a lot different. So I try to have jiu jitsu jiu jitsu mindset of developing skills on my striking. And did you get right into no gi as well as gi because of your fighting background, or were you doing both at the same time uh, both, when you found both? That? I, I the, here's my thing. I don't care what you tell me if I'm not educated enough to have an opinion. I don't want to listen to you. So I wanted somebody's gi is better, no gi is better. I'm like, well. Let me be educated enough to have an argument or have a say at the table before you make my decision for me. So I did both. And I see benefits in both. So I I find your career is cool because your pedigree in different areas is like very thorough, right? You look at the submission wins that you have are all rear naked choke. And I was having this discussion with a, a friend of mine at our gym uh, jiu-jitsu, but he's a former Bellator competitor. And okay. he and I were kind of joking about like the, there's so many parts of jujitsu, things that I, as not a fighter that I love, right? Like spider guard and yeah. certain sweeps and things. And he's like, look, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you put yourself in that position, I'm going to punch you in the face. And if you really want to end something or stop it, the most tried and true submission, rear naked choke. So, yeah. When you're training uh, jujitsu, or maybe you're teaching people at your your gym, how do you balance this like function versus sport well, aspect of jujitsu? 
You don't. You never balance. You're just in different phases of the week. If you're tired, use more technique. If you're not, push more muscle, right? It's, it's, it's efficient muscles. That's all jiu-jitsu is. You have to be is equally strong as you are technical, right? If right. you use too much strength, then your technique sucks. If you use too much technique, your strength sucks. So you have to balance it out. It's equal force, yeah. right? It's, it's like it doesn't matter if, if – you know, if we're equal, of course, if you're a blue belt and I'm a black belt, I'll fuck you up. It doesn't matter what it is. But I'm talking about eventually when the playing field becomes equal with technique, there has to be force applied. There has to be. You know, now, of course, I try to get the lever away from you. So my force is exaggerated because it's two arms or one arm and so forth. So we're trying to cheat. But at the end of the day, it's intelligent force. What feels better to you, winning by a knockout or winning by a submission? Uh, honestly, man, it doesn't matter if I get lucky on both, they both suck. Like I like the intellectual approach. So if I set something up, it's beautiful. If I set something up, it's beautiful. So, so it's more how I obtain it than what I obtain. Meaning, uh, if that's the game plan that you set out. Yeah, to that's the game plan. Or if you take me down and I, and I, you know what I mean? And I sweep you and I pass yeah. you got an arm bar. That's beautiful. Right. But if I have your back and I'm just wailing on you and you stick at your neck and I, you know, I, it's silly for me to say I'm a submission artist. Fear right. my ground game. You know what I'm trying? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Same shit. If you're a wrestler, you put your head down and you throw an overhead and you knock the guy out. I'm not going to fear your striking. I'm not going to be like, oh, oh, no, he's a striker. You're not. You got lucky. Do you know, <laughs> do you know, like when you think back to people that you fought against in, the, in an octagon, could you tell when people truly feared you and when? They, they were meeting you as, as an equal. Of course. Like, do you smell that? Oh, hundred percent. It's, 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 it's such a mind. It's such a, it's, it's mind bullying. That's all that, that's all yeah. fighting is. It's, I'm bullying your mind into submitting to my mind. Now, of course, we're, we're having a little bit of a fucking discussion, right? You know, but, <laughs> and, but that's, but that's what I tell everybody. I'm like, when I'm fighting or when I'm rolling, don't have an argument with me. <laughs> argument is filled by emotions. Try to have an intellectual conversation and a debate, right? So know what, what drives your decision-making. Is it logic or emotions? And I watch, who are you as a fighter, emotional or logical? If you're an emotional fighter, I can't set too many traps up because there's no logic to you, just reacting emotionally, right? And if you're a logical yeah. fighter, then I find your patterns. And all fighting is is patterns and mathematical probability. Most likely, you do this this many times. That's all right. it is. Figure out your patterns and if, and then weigh out mathematical probability. That's all it is. Can you can you dig on that for a little bit? Like I, I find this really interesting. Like the the psychological aspect of of being a fighter because as a fan, right, we get one image on the TV. You get the lead up. You get all the trash talk, the back and forth, yeah. whatever. And you get the fight. You realize that when the door closes, all that shit's out the window, and now it's for real. But what for you as a professional fighter, as a champion, what is like those weeks or months leading into a fight? We're all human. Like, how do you how do you manage the emotions of fear, excitement, anger? I want to rip this guy's head off. Maybe you don't like how do you use um, that to your advantage? So it depends. Listen, I don't know how to fucking use it to advantage. I know what martial arts does for me. All right. When I have martial arts in my life and when I'm fighting on the best version of myself, I have to go to sleep. I have to fucking have a good, good meals. Good, like, like I'm I, like, that's my tool to iron out any bullshit I have within me. 
You think you're tough? Well, go prove it. Go wake up six in the fucking morning, go for a run. Go hit that bag. When you're fucking seventh round in and you're gassing out and your body's telling you quit, 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 and you don't, and you know what I mean? That's what it is. It's a bullshit meter within myself, mm -hmm. right? So, so every time, every training camp is different. Every training camp is different. And I heard this fucking thing that I loved from this. Um, she's a female um, coach for American soccer team, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then she says, when you come to the top as a champion, Right, it's it's the the air is too thin to stay there too long. So you come up, you enjoy the view, and then you come down. Which means if that's your mentality, every time you fight for a championship, you're not fighting for a championship. You're not defending it. You're trying to get it. So you got to climb that mountain equally. So every training camp, I feel I start on the bottom of the mountain to 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 reclimb it again. Right. So yeah, I don't I don't I don't I just I just do I just I just love what I do and. I don't need that motivation or anything along those lines. I just, I'm just driven in life, and this is my meal ticket. So I'll do everything to keep it. How was the view at the top? <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> but just like anything good, man, don't get too, don't get too addictive to it, right? Go back, enjoy. There's beauty. There's beauty in average, like in yeah. everyday life. I mean, you know what I mean? With spending time with the, being on the mats with white belts, you know, going for coffee with friends, walking by the water. There's all those little little everyday life that I find joy and beauty. So when I do do this, it's, it, um, it uplifts me every time. It always gives me the same buzz. When you won your championship, what did it feel like to get that put around your waist and where, do, where does that kind of like rank in, in life on different feelings of accomplishment? Uh, it's like, I, I don't know, man. I, I, let me, I have a hard time stroking my own ego. You know what I'm trying to say? So it's, it yeah. was a, it was a, it, it was a, it was one of the most happiest moments that I've earned. Mm. So I, I'm happy, but I'm also proud of myself. But I also understand that as much as I want to say, you know, I'm a seven time defending champion. I really am. Right. But it's also hard for me to sit here and, and gloat when I don't swim in the deepest pool either. I think I belong with the UFC guys. I I I, tra I I've trained with bunch. I've done several tra training camps in TriStar in Montreal. Like like you know I've you know I've I've trained with Robert Drysdale. I've I've I went to like I've I've rubbed elbows with the royalty of MMA, and I know skill wise I belong there, right? But but until you get a stamp of approval by fighting handful of veteran guys, it's hard right. for me to gloat. Because I don't swim in the deepest pool. I'm I, I'm a shark. I'm a biggest shark in my pool. Now the depth of it, we can argue. It's legitimate. It's legitimate yeah. depth. BFL is legitimate as they fucking get, right? I've just never tasted. I call it the holy land, the yeah. the, the ground, the the the, the 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 one of those top promotions, or that I can. Okay, so what is what's so what's the path like from like BFL champion to Mecca in <laughs> UFC? Like luck, what stupidity, is... and timing. That's it. <laughs> That's it. A little bit of luck, a little bit of stupidity, and a lot of timing, yeah. right? So, so there's no. It, this isn't like a. It's not like a petitioning gone wrong, or like you couldn't get the deal done, kind of thing. Like it's no, just. No, it's just I, I it, like I'm good. I'm fucking good, man. It's just, um, just pandemic took a couple of best years of me, right? Three years I wasn't yeah. able to compete, travel, and all that stuff. Thirty-five to thirty-eight, those are your glory years, right? Yeah. But it's life, man. I, I, I love what I do. I was going to become a coach and, and own a gym and do this anyways. All this is just bonus for me that I got to, you know, travel the world, meet my heroes and see some cool places and, and be successful at it. Right. Uh, I, 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 I'm just lucky. 
So uh, you go back to like being in a fight camp, defending the championship, acquiring the championship, the dedication on the outside of the ring to like how you train, eat, sleep, fight, prepare, everything. When you're not pursuing that anymore, how do you how do you take the best pieces of that lifestyle to keep yourself in good shape, uh, going for your longevity, being an example, right, for your students, for other people to look up to you, and not, and we see this happen all the time in sport and also in fighting, slide out of that and, and lose yourself? I'll, I'll answer that one question right away. I'm a martial artist, not a fighter. I don't need a fight to motivate me. The, the martial arts are pursuit of perfection. Right, And if you try to pursue perfection in one aspect of your life, you can't not pursue it in every other aspect. If my mindset is to find flaws in jiu-jitsu, my aspect, then the mindset approaches in everything. My, I find flaws in my diet, my relationship with friends, the, how, how I think, where do I hang out, who do I hang out with, and all that stuff. So once you, once you understand the recipe of success in one area only is capable of by being successful in multiple ones, and then if you add multiple ones to multiple ones, you start seeing the recipe for success in life, which is get your shit together, right? Uh, <laughs> but, right? No, uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, do you, to, do you to, think, to, though, okay, so like someone, um, I don't want to use names because respect, there's too much respect yeah. to everyone. But yeah, of course. Let's say, let's, you know, choose any fighter, right, that's fallen from grace, that's now, you know, quote, washed up or they're yeah. unhealthy and all this stuff. Do you feel like they just never embodied that martial artist mindset? I, I, I don't uh, Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm an immigrant who drives a nice car and shops at Whole Foods due to my lifestyle. Like, I made it. Like, I, like you know, like I said this multiple times, like, we ate from garbage cans. I, I had nothing. Yet I come here, I, I, I get to work, and, and I always laugh. I'm like, it's the only job an Eastern, Eastern European immigrant can have. I get to hit my customers. <laughs> it's like the great it's the only job an idiot like me can maintain and yeah. you lie to them you say it's for their benefit no it's not somebody cut me off on the way to the gym i'm just kidding no no <laughs> but, I, yeah i got you but, yeah but but that's what it is so this is my meal ticket I've, i have nothing but this right and and i love this i'm so grateful that i i i, I get to enjoy like i truly truly love love what i do like i get to put on put on a gi and I get to train for a living. Like I don't need motivation and I'm lucky. I'm blessed. So I don't know other fighters. I do see them get wrapped up into their own identity as a fighter. And then once they don't have that, they're on the same high and then they don't, and a lot of them don't have their shit together. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so the only time they feel respected and valued is, is when fans are cheering for them or, or asking for their pictures outside. The only time that yeah. happens is if you're relevant. Or if you're not relevant as a fighter, you have to be relevant as a personality, right? Yeah. And that's even worse because personalities are gimmicks. Now you have to live up to that. You have to drink. You have to coke. You have to get into fights outside or talk shit. Or you have to be an angry asshole for you to get attention. And when that's a recipe, that's a that's a, not a healthy mindset for longevity. I mean, when's the book come out? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, no. no Sorry, dude. I, I, I mean, yeah. Dan, I, I really, I'm. I appreciate that perspective because I, I think it's true. It's uh, when you find ways to be, to have gratitude about the things that you have in your life and fulfilled in, in different areas, then that's what, I mean, what's the other goal, right? That's, that's happy. That's even keel. That's a stoic approach. That's having enough to do what you love and, and 
enrich the lives of people around you. It's very yeah. easy to get caught up in the other stuff. It's very, very easy to think that your car needs to be nicer, your house needs to be bigger, your friends need to be cooler, this, that, and the other thing, and then get twisted and then all of a sudden lose your grounding. Of course. But this is what I tell, even when I teach my kids class, I tell everybody, never search for happiness. I'm telling you, don't fucking search yeah, for happiness. Straight up. Because, which means how you interact with the reality depends how you feel. Who cares how you feel? Your search for dignity and self-respect. I don't want to wake up six o'clock in the morning to go for a run. But when I do, I respect myself, which means I value myself. That means I'm not for sale. Nobody's got power over me. You yeah. know, I tell people I'm the boss in life. Not because I tell people what to do. Other people, managers tell people what to do. I'm a boss because nobody tells me what to do. I conduct myself with reality on my terms as much as possible. As a result, I'm not for sale. I don't need UFC to make me feel successful in life. I am right. successful, bro. I respect myself. I, I eat good food. I drive an okay car. I got a quarter gas tank because gas is expensive, so I'm bragging. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of life is good. I mean, what's yeah, so what's better, a boiled pigeon in rainwater or a Whole Foods? <laughs> uh... <laughs> Depends how much salt can add on each one. Uh, give me a steak with no salt or give me a salty pigeon. It's a tough one, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got I to gotta hear this from you. What, so, like, there was a point in life when the there's dinner no served, like there's no food, there's no food, there's no, there's bombs. But let me, six. let me sit on that yeah. for a second, because yeah. when you say that I, and even for me, right. We don't have the a conception as, uh, as Americans or whoever else is listening to this. Many people don't actually have a, a conception about what no food means. What does it actually mean to not know where the next food's going to come from? That is like a prehistoric feeling for most of us there's no way to like uh i can't remember this is crazy but in my entire life ever from the second i was born as long as i can remember i've never not known and and maybe if my parents didn't know they didn't let me know but i've never yeah. not known where the next piece of food is going to come from that is a profoundly different experience to go through what was like what was that like what is what is it like to Sit down for a mid a, a pigeon and rainwater meal, and I'm not saying fucking that joking. Happiest mother, happiest fucking moment of my life. I remember being joyful. You get to fucking put something in your mouth that tastes relatively like food, right? Like it just, it just, there was nothing. There's just, it's just like just think of a city and no supply comes in for a year. No supply comes in for a year. Figure it out. Just figure it out. Yeah, just Wor figure I'm it out. I'm eating worms, dirt, <laughs> it's just, fucking... Yeah, anything, man, anything, right? It's um, it's it's a, a hungry person is a driven person, right? But I appreciate it, man. It's it's poverty sucks, and 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 I understand my meal ticket in life, how to feed myself. And I'm telling you, man, um, I I'm a rich man. I I eat well. I don't work like a dog to eat like a dog. I work like a dog to eat like a king. I really yeah. do, man. Uh, I'm, I'm a rich person. I, I, I tell everybody this story broke my heart. Like I was, I'm, I'm, I'm in North Mass. There's a little bit of, of, of a rich area and stuff. And I pulled in and this fucking brand new Porsche, four door Porsche, sick. And this person pulls in and I look and he's just overweight, like, like a woman. He's just, he's just overweight and pile of makeup and stuff like that. And I look at him like, man, you drive a $200,000 car and you eat a $3 meal. You're the poorest rich person I've ever seen in my life. It broke my heart. You're poor. You're poor. 
Does the, no, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. it's for food, food. Like I said, I'm good, man. I'm happy. How am I motivated? I'm fucking motivated, man. Like, I don't need, I'm good. Life is good for me. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for what I've accomplished. I'm grateful I got some density in this MMA community and some credibility because it's so hard to get it and it's so hard to obtain it. So I'm happy with that. And beyond that, man, I hope my students surpass me and do a lot better than me. Yeah, I see, you know, situations like what you just described and like you, you know that that deep down, you know, if you got to sit with that person and talk, there's misery underneath there. Lots of it. There is, because that's a painful state to live your life in. Of course, of course. Painful. Man. And, and, and like I say, man, I'm, 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 I'm a rich man of how I, of my health. Like, I, you know, when I was younger, I, I had some health scares as well and stuff like that. So, uh, what, uh, what, did, what went down when you were younger? I had a heart surgery. Uh, in your fighting career or out of your fighting career? Uh, when I was 15 years old. Wow, that's really strange. I had... Uh, I have a massive scar like across my chest here. I had when I was 16, I had really invasive chest surgery as well. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So when you had heart surgery, I'm, I'm thinking back to like yeah. that time that I had surgery. Did you have any awareness to the severity of what you were doing? No. Because when I had I'm, surgery, I was like, sweet. I thought it was kind of cool. We got to fly to Los <laughs> Angeles. We got to go to this doctor. My mom came oh. with me. She was sh scared shitless and I had no idea. But she's there was like... a, I, so both, both. There's a little bit of nervousness, but there's also the naiveness. As a child, you're naive. Like every, yeah. everything is like you, 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 you don't have the ability to to foresee things. You don't have the ability to put yourself in other people's shoes. So there's this lack of bubble that you just you just disconnected emotionally from the whole picture. So I, yes. I, I felt similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. I do remember on the flip side of it being very grateful. That like yeah there were no complications right but then it was weird i had all these staples in my chest and i was getting made fun of and it was like <laughs> it was uh, just strange to go through that as a kid so did you have to then make lifestyle adjustments or changes or any kind of no, thing like no i just felt better man i i right after my heart felt better it felt stronger um it was good everything improved health health like i said i i get scared with some health issues and stuff so experienced it all love it all and enjoy it all so do you do you speak about health, wellness, longevity, that type of stuff with your students? Is that a point no. of conversation no. or no. curriculum? No, no, no. Nope. Listen, man, I'm 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 not everything in life to everybody. Nor do I want to be, right? Like, um, as as a coach, I have a couple of jobs to do. One of them is to make you fall in love with martial arts. Who you are as a person and how you treat things you love is how you're gonna treat things. I can't make you love something more or less. All I can do is make you fall in love with it. Right, and then how you treat those things is determines who you're gonna be. Now I can guide you and show you what a good thing, how to show love in a positive way, negative way, and all that stuff. But I try not to be a role model. I try not to overstep my. As a coach, man, you magic personalities, and 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 and, and there's this weird ownership that coaches feel like my student. You can't go here. You can't train me. You can't like I I, I don't because I'm a fighter myself and. And, and, and I never wanted any, anybody to have ownership over me. I don't feel like I have any ownership over, over my students and stuff. And like, I play some roles and I try to guide as much as like that, but I don't go in there with the, with that. That's my job. You know what I mean? I don't go in there that I have to do that. I don't care. We all live life and, and, and reality will, will expose you or, or it will reward you. So how do you, how do you structure the mix of like jujitsu and wrestling and striking and all this stuff with your students? Get to know your fucking students. 
you see where they lack and you fucking fill those holes. If they suck at our bars, add our bars. If they suck at takedowns, add takedowns. And if you don't know, seek it out or bring somebody that does know. It's simple. You, you, like honesty. I tell everybody, do you want me to sum up every help, help book you ever read? Call out your own bullshit. As a coach, you know where you suck. You know where you're good. Improve it or hire somebody. If you want to be authentic, if you don't, then bullshit your way through it. And that's it. There's no other way. I, I kind of wish you would uh, lean in <laughs> on your students. I'm like, you got you have quite a few really like crystal clear insights that are super valuable, right? I mean, I do. I do. Trust me. I have these talks all the time and we have these talks. I, I'm just saying I don't go in there like that. I'm just fucking yeah, know it all. Sure. Wisdom, wisdom of fucking answers and all that shit. This is what I tell. Listen, these days, here's the difference between previous generation and this new generation. This new generation asks for answers. Our generation searches for solutions. So go search for your fucking solution, try it, and then when it doesn't work, come with me with educated questions. Don't come up to me, what do I do? Well, what did you try? So I tell them, the responsibility is on your end to get better, not mine. You have to have the ability to self-improve. If not, that means you're leaning on somebody else for you to be successful. And I don't care as much as I should. It's your dream. Why would I equally care about your success? Right? Coaches are investors. No investor invests into a dying company, which means if you won't invest into yourself, why would I? Responsibility is yeah. on you, not on me. Right? So we I'm all we both we both have an equal part to play to this. That's all I'm saying. I'm not in there to guide you. No, we're it's 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 a game. You give me some fucking wisdom. You help me a bit as well. You know what I mean? And then I throw you some wisdom and we both learn from each other. This isn't like you come in there and I do all the work. Fuck off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is a this is a challenge, right? Of new generations. I mean, I think of even your story, right? You think about everything that you've been through in your life. There's a lot, a lot of people in a generation that come from similar situations, and it shapes the, the rest of their being. And you have a, a lot of people that are exactly as you just described, right? How do we correct that? Like, how do you teach people to want? to find solutions when that's not innate in who they are. Put responsibility on their back. Yeah. Put, like, you know, like I heard too from, like, I love all quotation stuff, like I heard from, from I forget, he's it's an NBA coach. He's like, pressure is a privilege. I tell that to my students all the time. Pressure is a privilege. If you have to carry some pressure, that's a privilege. You carry that with chin up and pride. Yeah. You run towards expectations. Don't run away from them. Right? You know, you, you have to, you have to, man. My job is to empower you. My job is not to manipulate you and make you think that you need me to be successful. You don't need me. Right? And I tell all that to my students. It's like, I'm like, oh, coach, if you do this, I'll get to the UFC. I'll do this. I'm like, you don't get it, bro. You're not my meal ticket in life. I'm my meal ticket. I don't need you to be successful so I can eat well. I'll be successful because of me. So go get your shine and I'll support you, but I don't need you. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to milk my guys so they, I don't care. I'm like, as a coach, I have 50 chances. If I fuck up with you, I learn. I try with this right. guy. I try with this guy. As an athlete, you only get one try. Make it fucking count. Yeah. I think this is one reason why, I mean, for very short into this career, this hobby, right, that I fell in love with martial arts. It provided something to me that skiing competitively for my entire childhood didn't because yeah. skiing – Although it's independent, it's an individual sport and you try hard, there's nothing acting against you, 
martial arts taught me more about who I was in a one week period than I yeah. thought I had learned about myself in a 15 year career. Right. hundred percent. And I love, I absolutely love watching somebody's like their psyche change as a result of being in the academy. You see them come in day one, one person, and you see them on month three, and they are they stand taller, they their shoulders are back, they're more yeah. respectful, they shake hands, they look you in the eye. Hundred percent. Or the other side, they come in all fucking shoulders back, macho, yeah. whatever, and it shows Goes them. The other way. Yeah. It's not it who you really you are. Out. It balances you out, right? Um, we all kind of market ourselves who we want the world to perceive us as. Once you step on this is once you step on the mats, it's who you really are. The shows, you know what I mean. Yeah. And I say, once I roll with you, one roll, I'll get to know you as a person better than ten coffee dates, right? <laughs> because who's an asshole off the mats? He's an asshole on the mats. Who gives up easily off the mats? Gives up easily on the mats. So your personality shines under pressure. So it shows me how you view and how you act when shit doesn't go your way. Do you give up? Yeah. Do you make an excuse? Do you fight hard? Are you emotional? Do you take it personal? Do you walk away finding excuses? So I get to know you. Yeah, it's it would be great if, uh, you know, every time you were introduced to someone, you just immediately have a role. It would be great. Yeah. I mean, you really do. It, it's But it's, it's a character conversation. Your character is going to talk to my character. And, yeah. our, and, how we, and how we value certain things in our personality is going to show how we dictate towards one another. So it's a, it's a cool so dynamic true. of me trying to get to know you. It's interesting when you're, um, you know, when you're rolling with someone and now, and now it's interesting having, you know, been, I can only speak to jujitsu, but having been yeah. doing jujitsu for like five ish years, you'll, someone will come in, they'll be really big, strong white belt and you start rolling with them and you immediately learn so much about their personality and they're learning about yeah. you too. It's a two way street. It's not one way street, 100%. but you feel the, the tension, right? That, yeah. that is the most interesting thing to me that I never yeah. got from other sports. I never got oh. it from skiing. I never got it from soccer, from anything. But when you train martial arts, you feel that tension and that's everyone's yeah. their personality going into their body and going, what yeah. the fuck's going on? Right. Yeah. Their fear, they're frustrated. They're pissed that, Things aren't going exactly how they thought it would go. Yeah. And you get to see just like in someone's face yeah. what's going on. It's, it's wild. Yeah. It's, it's, it gives the, I tell everybody, do martial arts. It gives you the greatest gift you can give to anybody. How to process intelligent info under a stressful environment. Right? Yeah. And again, jiu-jitsu is the biggest one is are you reacting emotionally or logically? And if you can keep your shit together, you react logically. If you panic and your mindset is rattled and you're not consciously there, you react emotionally. So it's a good way for you to balance emotions and logic under pressure. That's what makes it so fascinating. That's why I love fighting. I, I don't even care about the violence. It's the, it's the aspect of mind. Your mind has to be strong and at peace for you to be violently efficient. If, if I have to mark one more like mic drop moment in this short amount of time i'm gonna have a very hard time editing this later because i'm gonna have to pull out all these really good parts but it's uh that i wish i'll have to read that back to myself several times that's very profound it's true i mean the the scariest person that you can see uh, if you weren't able to you know see their ears or their neck or something is the person who looks overly calm 
in a really dangerous situation. They're terrifying yeah. because they have yeah. control over what's happening. But yeah, you'll see like, like, like when you even like, you know, like I, like I got my black belt from Drysdale and I was lucky, you know, like I got to spend some time, but there's like this unique mental density to him. Like when he steps in the room, it's like, it's dense. Like the mind is dense. You're like, Oh, and that's those like, that's, that, that's one thing I found very like, you know, every time I got to talk to anybody that reaches a certain amount of platform through through hard work and through all that stuff, their mind is dense. That's why I'm attracted to combat uh, fighting and stuff that is makes your mind dense, makes it heavy, makes it strong, makes it calm, right? And 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 that's that's what I respect about this whole sport, and that's what I like that it it forces me to be that person, and 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 yeah, that's what I get out of it. Yeah, it was interesting. I when I spoke with I had Robert on the podcast and speaking to him, yeah, it was. Yeah. He's very analytical, intelligent, and he's a killer. And like yeah. all all those different elements express themselves when you're talking to him. But it's a, it's it's something that I think, uh, having spoken to a lot of fighters and other athletes, it's I guess density is a good way of putting it. It's like a complexity to the character. It's the yeah. there's more layers Clear. to the there's onion. There's layers. It's it's dense. It's it. Yeah, yeah man. It's. But I think it comes, and correct me where I'm wrong here because I'm not a professional fighter, but part of me thinks that that comes from your your awareness of the world hinges on this primal understanding that in almost every single situation, you're going to be a dominant force in that interaction, right? You're... If you introduced yourself to 112 different random people in the world... I would, you know, almost every single time you have the power in that situation to control a life or death outcome, which is, that is a serious undertaking. And it's something that fighters possess in the, in the way that they are, that the martial artists, the samurai, whatever mentality of your awareness to the rest of the world, you truly know your place. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people think that they do. And you see this now more than ever with social media, right? Because it's all a projection. It's everyone's te- yeah. telling you what they think the best version of themselves would be if it were yeah. real. Everybody's marketing themselves. Everybody's marketing themselves, right? It's just like everybody walks around, let's say, on social media as a black belt. You know, Straight it's up. like it's like that's that that's that's how it is, right? But that's that's what it is, though, man. Martial arts is a good bullshit meter in in, yeah. in every level. And and then, and then for you to to be good at it, you have to get to know yourself. When you say you know you can, you, you have the ability to hurt everybody else. but most sports you have the ability to get to know yourself, and that's all martial arts. It really is a conflict within yourself, and that's why you see guys white belt that are spazzy and their conflict is within themselves, right? And then the wiser and the more skillful you get, you become more peaceful. So there's less conflict within you, so less emotions drive the force within you. More logic does more intelligence, right? And the best way I tell anybody you want to prove is watch your breath. How you breathe, it shows how your mind operates. Yeah. Your mind goes fast. So I tell everybody, if you don't want, if you can't be self-aware of your breath at any point, you can't be self-aware of your decision makings. Yeah, right? this so the is best, huge. It is huge. So I tell all the white belts in the beginning, just focus on your breath. And the only reason I became self-aware of it, this was long, long, long time ago. I was a blue belt and I was rolling with this black belt. And I was stuck inside control and I just could not get out. I, I just couldn't get out. I just could not get out. And he's laughing. And we we're friends. So he wasn't laughing or he's like giggling, giggling, goes after me, like, do you know why you couldn't get out? I'm like, no, because you'll go, go, 
So my breathing, it's like a countdown. <laughs> One, two, three, go. So I'll breathe. <laughs> He's like, bro, you're counting down every time you're gonna explode. And I was like, really? And then and then he's like, yeah, man, watch your breath, watch this. And that was the first time I got aware of breath. And, you know, I did some yoga classes and you and you go more to jitsu, you hear the Gracies and then you hear this. And then yeah. you just like, and then throughout the years, every every couple of months, an echo of somebody telling you how important breathing is, breathing. And then I just became more aware of it and I, and I just applied it to my own thing and I really focused how I breathe. In everywhere, like, and now it's everywhere. I get angry at us, at somebody cuts you off, like, <laughs> like, I just like get this calm. Just is, yeah. is, I've just come to a brew, like, used to breathing and dictating every time I'm under stress now. <laughs> Have, uh, do you, do you ever take time to read books? I do. I do. Actually. Have you read, I, Have you read Breathe by Dr. James, or not Dr., I always say it, by James Nestor? No. I'm going to send it to you. This book changed, it changed my life as like, uh, it's all about, so basically this guy, he was a journalist. He went and followed yeah. free divers around for two years that set oh, like those records yeah, 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 yeah. and he ended up competing and living with them and learning all about breathing. And then he went to Stanford and he did this two week study with one of their pulmonologists about like the whole nasal system and everything this book, it's got me to start running, breathing only through my nose, trying to train only through my nose. And to your exact point, it was in this realization that I didn't have control over this system that I learned about it and then tried to implement it. And since paying attention to that and practicing this stuff on the mats, it's crazy watching people or, or exactly what you said, you know what they're going to do because yeah. there's this huge tell of yeah. hyperventilation and, and it's yeah. a lack of calm. You see calm people, scary because you don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. All the, you can't even see their breathing, but someone grabs you ah, and you can hear it come out of it. Yeah. You know what they're going to do? One, two, yeah. three, brace. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, exactly. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Like I say, it just goes back to the same thing. Mind, 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 mind. It's the, um, and that's, that's all the sport to be is. And as a result, I love it. Right. And you know, you hear everybody always saying, I say the same thing, you know, like like David Goggin, you know, run with no music, run with no no music. And I tell them it's the same thing because yeah. I'm like, listen, I tell all my guys, are you emotionally stimulated or mentally driven? When you're running and you put the music on, you're trying to stimulate yourself emotionally. You got yeah, the right bullshit. song for the right mood. So you're emotionally stimulated. I'm like, I'm mentally driven. This yeah. is why I don't need no motivation because I'm mentally driven. I wake up in the morning, I'm a yes. driven man. I'm not stimulated. That's when you asked me back then, martial arts and fighters fighters are emotionally stimulated they need that fight i'm a martial artist i'm mentally driven it's what i do for my life i don't i wake up it's what i do i couldn't agree more and on, on top of that and this is like you know having been a trainer from my whole professional career people have this big problem with training without music because and and the reason is they need the music to train of course it's That's not a lot it it's not a thing that they enjoy like oh it's background music it's actually a driving force and so you, how many how many times have you seen this in a gym setting uh someone goes back home because they forgot their headphones oh 100 percent. but even and you're how like, many how, how many times we've we been guilty you see some fucking movie and you're like i'm just gonna go for a fucking run you just emotionally yeah. run you like you see some good boxing movie when you're younger and then you're like i want to yeah. be a champ and you see like just fucking emotions like that, it's just, it, 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 it can be used. Listen, it's like weed. If you, if you need to yeah. blaze to go to sleep, you depend on it. 
Right. <laughs> your sleep you sucks. Know, kind of, your sleep sucks, right? Same with, yeah. same with this, right? If you need it, it's terrible. If you use it and you do both, it's a tool. Don't abuse yeah. it. Don't depend on it. And most importantly, don't learn to rely on one system to get you to be successful. Yeah, there's something special about your own brain. You know, everyone, you got this thing on top of your shoulders. Everyone has one, and it's got yeah. a bunch of voices in it. And if you can learn how to get control over those or not be influenced by them yeah. in certain situations, you it's like unlocking the superpower to yourself. Yeah. Like your ability to fucking perform is drastically different when you're not reliant on your best friend showing up to 100%. the gym, your buddy going yeah. to training that day, yeah. someone else picking you up to give you a ride, yeah. someone running alongside you. If you can yeah. do that shit by yourself. Whew. Yeah, man. It's um, like, it, it, it really is, man. It's, 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 it's the, 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 the brain is everything. I, uh, I, from doing a, an episode with a friend of mine, he got me to start doing these cold shower things. So in the morning, yeah. right at five, very first thing I do, get out of bed, I go, I take a cold shower. And yeah. I've done it for a, a long time now. I hate it. Every single day, every single morning, whether it's the weekend or the weekday or I'm traveling or whatever, yeah. I wake up and the last thing that I want to do, and it's a battle, there's me yeah, in my head course. going, going, hey, dude, just stay in bed. You're yeah, good. Yeah, just sleep. Yeah. You're warm. Yeah, yeah you're warm. You get coffee. You got food and, in the fridge. Why are you going to struggle in life? You did it. You made it. Chill the fuck out. Why are you doing this right. stupid shit? Yeah. <laughs> and it, but it's something about that. It's no. Like, no. And all that shit can come yeah. later. I can go make coffee yeah. in the morning. I can have breakfast later. Yeah. But there's something about doing this thing that you don't want to do. And it sounds insane to people yeah. that are they're like, that's dumb. But you know why? You're, because you chose respect over happiness. Because yeah. you respect yourself more. You yeah. chose respect over happiness. Respect is a heavier currency than happiness. Happiness is a fluffy currency. It's cheap it can in life. Blow away. Yeah, it's, it's it's cheap. It's a cheap currency. Respect, it's a dense currency. It's earned. Fluffiness is felt. Respect is earned. Yeah, that is uh <laughs> it's but it's man, it's hard to even to teach yourself how to respect yourself. I know of that course. sounds kind of like woo-woo or whatever. No, but... but you know what? Respect comes with skills and abilities. How do you respect yourself yeah. if you can't do anything? So how do you can do it if you don't try anything? And 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 not trying is what comfort and comfort is guy it's it's it lies to you as happiness. It it because the brain has the biggest thing it can ever do. It can bullshit itself. Once you realize the brain bullshits you all the time, you realize brain bullshits you all the time. Shut the fuck up, brain. I don't want happiness because it's comfort. Comfort doesn't make me actually happy. I need to fucking do some shit so I can respect myself and have more confidence. Skills, confidence, and respect grow equally. You can't fake it. Yeah. And that's when you go and you join Dayon's gym. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the perfect ad campaign. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah, see yeah, you no. on bill on billboards in North Van yelling uh, at people with like to respect yourself. <laughs> fuck happiness. Fuck happiness. Fuck happiness. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't know, memberships have declined recently. Yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I've actually happy. I've been up my uh, have family in Port Moody. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom there, lives so. in Coquitlam, so I, I, okay. that's where I used to. Yeah, so I, I know Port Moody very well. Yeah, so I, I've been up there. It's a beautiful area. Vancouver is an incredible city. That yeah. like I could I could actually legitimately spend time there. Is it dense with martial arts 
ethos. Like I, I, I yes. only know yes. of, of TriStar just because of St. Pierre and yeah, and yeah, everything. of course, but of course. What uh, is it, like? It is. It is. It's. It's a. Uh, it's a heavy community, man. There's so many good jujitsu gyms. There's so many good MMA gyms. Like I'm talking about, like lots, 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 yeah. lots, lots, and and just because of BFL. Um, and the standard, because we have a, we have a testing ground. If you think you're the best, go fucking prove it. Right. Yeah. And then, so is, and then B- is BFL, uh, somewhat like K- like we have cage warriors in Southern California is kind of the top regional pre UFC stepping stone. I, I, I would arguably even say it's the top in the country. Like there's wow, unified, awesome. there's unified in Edmonton and they, and between two of them, like, you know, like I, I think they'll go through the phases. You know what I mean. Right now, I think BFL is is better. Um, right now, it's last year. They just they, we just have so many, so many good guys. Like like ridiculously good guys, and they've done the seventy five shows over the last ten years. So wow. so this new generation that, that, that that's coming up is scary. And give another two three more years, and we signed the most guys in the UFC, and and they had to go for, you know have very successful careers and stuff. One of you, Jeremy Kennedy was a BFL champ there. So and he's doing very well in Bellator. He did great in the UFC. He fought at, at Brave as well. And yeah, they, they, there's, they, there's tons of origin. He's a 1FC heavyweight champion. Um, well, Canada, yeah. Canada's kind of on fire right now. I mean, they have like, I think there's three soon to be, you know, however long title contenders within the UFC that are from yeah. Canada. So they're pumping them out right now. You guys are super talented. No, Canada's like the core of martial arts is good, man. Like I even say, even if you, even some of these amateur, um, are like like you go to some some states or like at pro level. Some of these amateur guys are like at, at pro level. It's they're they're it's legitimate. Canada is it's it's legitimate as they get. Do you have guys from your your academy that have aspirations of wanting to fight in BFL or want to go on to the UFC? Oh, I do, I do. I've 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 several guys. It's a young team. It takes like I say, man. It takes about five to seven years to make a guy. Right. And yeah. I had that gym for about four and a half years or so. And, you know, I'm just having I had this March BFL 30th. I have, I have uh, one guy fighting on the Mauritius. He's from my gym. Um, there's wow. another uh, female fighting, Alana. She's from my gym. And um, from one more gym from Sean Alderbridge out in, um, he's, he's close to Maple Ridge, uh, Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam area okay. um, yeah. as well. He's very good. He, 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 he was one of the guys that, um, um, that, that, that helped Jeremy Kennedy in his amateur and, and began yeah. the pro career and stuff like that. So yeah, the gym is growing, man. It takes, um, you know, you don't want all fighters because it's too much headache and you don't want no fighters because you get no legitimacy. So I'm trying to balance it out. And, but I do, I, I got about just about, you know, six to 12 guys that are, that are, that want to compete now, you know, how many of them seriously or not, but there's, there's about a couple of young kids that are just, they're going to do well. They're going to do very well. What is it about that timeline you think is sufficient for, you said five to seven, it takes about five to seven years to build a fighter. So what are you, what are you looking for to happen in that time period versus letting someone go at three years or something like that? Um, I mean, everybody's different to be honest, just to understand how to be competitive under pressure. So I tell them, just be competitive. Don't crumble under, it doesn't matter how it goes, just you have to mentally stay competitive. Right. And, and it, and it takes time. It takes time to, to not let the body, you know, body is weak. As soon as the body gets tired, it gets, gets hurt, gets this, starts to negotiate with the mind to justify a way out. Hence rear naked chokes. And it takes a while to, to, to give, to put the mind in control and, and to work with the body and, 
and you know to go under those ad adrenaline dumps to to be under control because it's it's your safety. Every other sport, what do they do? They huddle up and they pump each other up, right? I have to make you care about a basketball. I don't have to make you care about your safety. So our sport is the only sport you tell people to calm down. Every other sport, you're trying to jack guys up, right? So it yeah. takes a yeah, while to to no stay calm, stay calm. So that's why I think five to seven years is like that good veteran mind. Yeah, it's. So that would be in those situations like uh, not giving, not being in a bad position, kind of giving up or wanting a way out, but teaching your yeah. brain to turn that that desire but, off. But also developing your lifestyle to support your dream. Like I tell everybody, everybody says, hey, it takes 10,000 hours to get your black belt. So I tell my students, have you ever done the fucking math? I'm like, you guys come to my gym and you do four classes a week, right? Four classes a week. That's one hour. That's four hours a week. Times that by four, that's 16 hours a month. Times that by 12, it's about 250 hours a year. So how? So now think about that. And then you get the blue belt disease. Because I tell them all, you come to my gym. It takes you about eight hours for you to feel like you got better. Then the next level up takes about 25 hours. And then the next level up, 45 hours. Then you get the blue belt syndrome. Takes you 200 hours now to feel you got better. You're coming twice a week. Of course, after three years as a blue belt, you didn't get better. And then you start blaming your training partner. You start blaming your lifestyle. You start blaming. It's you. You're not putting enough time. Yeah. Yeah. You said I mean, the mental side of things is undervalued. I feel like in so many sports having, you know, that's somewhere where I feel like at least in my life, coaches were so instrumental because yeah. they gave me an insight into this this aspect of competition that I wasn't seeing, I was yeah. getting frustrated. I was worrying about yeah. this or, or that, or yeah. girls, whatever it was. Yeah. And my coaches were able to give me that peace of mind and say, yeah. Hey, you know, kind of give it to you how it is, tell it to you yeah. straight and set the expectation of how to overcome yeah. that. But you do, you see people churn out all the time, all the time. You see them come back. Hey, what happened? Ah, oh, I, you know, I, I didn't yeah. think I was improving. It's not going to, yeah. you're never going to feel like that. <laughs> of course, of course, right? And and yeah, that's that's that that's what it is. It's like I tell everybody, it's like it's like riding a motorcycle. You can read as many books and watch as many videos until you have thousands of hours. It doesn't work. Yeah. You can't simulate it. You know, it's like it's like sleeping. It's like having sex for the first time. You just don't know what it's like. You can watch <laughs> as much as you want. You can imagine as much until you've done it. You don't know what it's like. It's awkward, weird, and it's always a little bit of fucking. It is what it is, right? It takes time. It takes experience. That's why I say five to seven years for you to, for certain extraordinary moments to become a little more ordinary, to take yeah. the buzz off it. And that takes time. Yeah. I mean, he even saw it with John Jones coming back. He even said it after. You saw it on his face when he was walking out that the guy, he was nervous. He even said afterwards he was nervous. That guy's. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, think of all the title defenses. It's normal. It's yeah. uh, adrenaline yeah. and. Hormones are real things to yeah. deal with. Yeah, what does what it I... feel? What's it feel like for you to be on the other side of it now, being able to coach? Uh, you said you got two people. Fuck coaching! It's nerve wracking. Ah, oh, fuck! It's it? nerve wracking. Ah, oh, I fuck it. I'm nerve. You know what, though, man? It's it's that helpless control because you go from being control 100. percent It's me. I don't care what my coach says. I gotta pull the trigger and I gotta make the decisions. Right to complete opposite. Yeah. Zero control, and you equally care. So, so it's, uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, obviously, you know, any, any time you invest in emotion, you give a fuck. And I give a fuck a lot. 
because I, 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 I see how much they work hard. I see the potential of this life, but I also see the downfall. And, and it's hard for me. It's hard for me to sell a product that I fully don't believe in. So I tell everybody yeah. who, wants to, for, for, who wants to be a pro fighter, I tell them, no, you can't do it. I'm like, you can't. You're not good. You can't. You can't. And if they give up, you're mentally weak. So you shouldn't fight to begin with. If somebody else's opinion has more weight in your world than your own, you're, you, you shouldn't do the sport anyways. It's like, this is so dumb. You're going to think it's so dumb. But it's kind of like tattoos. It's like if, if you're going to get a tattoo and before you do it, you got to go tell a bunch of your friends you're going to get it and kind of see how they feel. And then you're like, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't get it. You shouldn't get one anyway. Yeah, you should get you it because yeah. you want it. You should get it because that's yeah. the thing that you want. And it could be a, an ugly hippo on the yeah. skin for the rest of your life, but you fuck with it. And that means more yeah. than everyone's opinion. Exactly. Exactly. So I try to discourage, right? I discourage them and I tell them, man, make sure you're giving me two most valuable things you possess, your time and your finances. Make sure you get your investment worth it. If you're going to give up your best years of your life, your 20s, your best years of your life, make sure it's fucking worth it. Time and finances, two things you sacrifice for. Don't, I'm like, I'm like, listen, guys, don't be an average fighter. You know what average fighters do? They make me money. You'll have a career, eight and seven, 10 and 8, then you'll do what? You'll have nothing to do. I'm going to hire you, and I'll put some money in your pocket, but I shall take a piece for you to hold pads, for you to give some instructions and teach my classes. As a result, you take a bus home and I sit in a Mercedes. Don't be that guy. Don't give up your best years for somebody else's success. So that's hopefully. Ah. <laughs> I, I mean... Dan, such uh, such solid insights, such tangible, t such tangible insights for people because those are things that can hit home. Even if you're, I mean, look, even if you're like a hobbyist like me, hearing that kind of stuff is valuable because it makes me want to put even more intention into the training that I do. Because there's other people there that are benefiting from. We we all benefit from each other in those settings, 100%, 100%. right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I always say, man, honor each other. If, if somebody's a white belt, don't treat them like they're made out of glass and this is not your free therapy session because your mom didn't tell you I love you enough. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, honor each other and understand one energy to bring to what conversation. It doesn't have to be a yelling contest and you have to be this fucking yes pleaser. Don't be a pleaser and don't be an asshole. Have a conversation. Let them win. But if you're a fucking better guy, you represent that. Treat each other with dignity. Dignity goes a long way. It's a, it's, it's like, it's, 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 you have to, you have to have dignity on the mats towards one another. And that sometimes means I will shit kick you, but there's a respectful way to shit kick you. And there's a one where I do it for me to feel better. <laughs> Which one do you choose most? Depends who you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dayan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time no to be worries, on the show, man. man. Appreciate it's, it, man. Uh, I really, I really appreciate the insights for real. It's been, uh, it's been awesome. And we'll definitely have to do this again in the future, man. Hell yeah, brother. Anytime. Just just to give you a heads up to any audience, I do yes. crack the same jokes. So if you do me again, <laughs> you're going to see the repeat. But <laughs> that's all well, I'll have to come up with really creative new questions uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on yeah. subjects completely outside of martial arts. But we'll perfect. do that so that everything's ah, fresh. Perfect. Perfect. There we go. Ask me about women advice and good life choices, right? There you go. We'll go. <laughs> we'll have a whole two-hour episode on that. Yeah, awesome. exactly. Well, thank you, brother. <laughs>